0: Well, this morning, we are going to be doing something a little bit different than what we normally do. It is my ambition every week, if I can, to start from God's Word and help you understand it. And once you understand it, see how it applies to your life in hopes that you will trust God better, having understood and known His Word And you'll live your life more effectively and trust God more completely because we have seen His Word on Sunday and understood it and applied it. Well, today we're going to go the other direction. We have invited you to submit questions and to ask your friends to submit questions. And we're going to start with the application and the situation in life and move back to see if we can't understand the the world a little better and what God has to say a little better from His Word. And so we're going to go the opposite direction this morning, and I hope that it is helpful. We're going to do that the next several mornings. Our ambition is still the same, that you might trust God more completely and love Him more fully because of uh, our time together this morning. Well, we're going to ask questions. Okay, the first, we're going to talk about the very first question that we received when we asked for questions, okay? It's this one. The very first question we got, are we going to be blown up? Well, I have to say that there's always a certain amount of insecurity when you're standing in front of people trying to talk to them about anything. But one of the insecurities is, is the Is the topic for today going to, you know, are are people going to get it or resonate with it or understand it? And this was certainly, I mean, part of the insecurity is you are here in West Linn, the safest city in Oregon, okay, according to the Oregonian in last July. Are you going to get the question, are we going to be blown up? Well, we started planning this in October and we're concerned, even as we planned it, that, that the questions might already go out of style by the time we got to, around to dealing with it. I mean, this is, this is October. It says, Last October 1st, after a gunman with no serious criminal history unloaded more than 1,100 rounds of bullets into a crowd of thousands during the route. 91 Harvest Music Festival in Las Vegas, the public was stunned. Then it goes on a little later. On October 31st, a 29-year-old Muslim extremist, Seifullo Sepov, rammed a rented pickup truck into a crowded bicycling and jogging path along the Hudson River in New York City, killing eight people and injuring 12. Then only six days later, on a peaceful autumn Sunday morning in rural Texas, a vengeful, sadistic, 26-year-old Devin Patrick Kelly entered the First Baptist Church in Southernland Springs and fired more than 500 rounds of ammunition, systematically executing young and old, men and women, boys and girls, and an unborn baby among them. That was where the world was when we were thinking we would talk about this. And I was a little worried that uh, the topic might go out of style by the time we got to January. But how did we start the year? We started the year with our president tweeting about another world leader that his nuclear button was bigger and better than the other world leader's nuclear button. And it makes me wonder, hmm, <laughs> are we going to get blown up? Well, this, uh, this is the first question. And the pro- one of the problems with the first question is that it's a yes or no question, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to answer it and then we're going to be done. How's that? Just yes or no, we're finished. Are we going to be blown up? My answer is yes. Okay, I'm just going to go out on a limb there. You can stone me later if we don't get blown up. But either way, I'm going to go. So, you can stone me or I'll get blown up. And it won't matter to me. The reason that I'm going to say yes, though, is, is seriously, is that this is the nature of human life. It always has been. It always will be. The weapons and the way that people do it has changed and uh, escalated. But... Human nature is still the same. This is what it tells me in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. says, There is a time and a way for everything. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him, for he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? Isn't that a great New Year's verse? He does not know what will be. But it goes on and it says, No man has the power to retain the spirit or the power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun. When man had power over man to his hurt. To me, this does answer the question because it talks about what is done under the sun and that's, that's the, the code in Ecclesiastes for saying, in this world, apart from the rule of God, this is the way it works. And the way it works is that man has power over man to his hurt. That's the way it works here. And no one knows when his final day will come. That's just the way it is in this world. And so you don't know if it's tomorrow. You don't know if it's 20 years from now. You don't know if it's 40 years from now. But nonetheless, people still have power over other people to hurt them. They always have. They always will. There will always be something that causes us to be fearful about our life. That really is the way... That human life on this world works. And so, (laughs) if, if we didn't have the rest of the Bible, if I didn't have the gospel of Jesus Christ and good news, that is all I would have for you. See, apart from God, that's what under the sun means means apart from God, all you have is people hurt people. All you have is you don't know when you're going to die and you don't know what's ahead. That's all you have apart from God. And so if I didn't have any more than that, if I didn't have good news from Jesus, then I would be finished here. But I do have good news that I want to share with you. And so what I, what I want to do is I want to try and help you today and and in these next few weeks understand the news, understand the world, understand our own experience in light of the Gospel of Jesus. In light of the overarching story of God that has Jesus at its center, how do we understand this crazy, mixed-up world that we live in? And what are we going to do about it? That's, that's really what I hope to do. And so what I, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to kind of walk through the, the, the high points of the, the big story of God. And I want to show you, I'm just going to pull out parts of those, uh, high points so that you can see how it impacts the issue of people killing other people and how it offers hope when people kill other people. So we'll start with the first movement in God's story, creation. Uh, As you're familiar, if you're not familiar, open your Bible to page one. It says uh, (laughs) in the beginning, right? So we're going to start in the beginning. God created the world as He wanted it to be. God created the world Perfect He created it peaceful, he created it whole, so that Adam and Eve had a relationship with God that was uh, that was as it should be. they had a relationship with one another that was perfect and as it should be. in fact, it's just the opposite of what you read about in the newspaper. it's the opposite of our experience. Of people killing other people. Here's, here's what it says in Genesis chapter 2, as it's talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. It says, And the Lord planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and therefore, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. One of the um, one of the reasons people kill people, that wars happen, that people bomb people, and is because somebody has something that you want or something that you don't have, and it might be land, it might be resources, it might be uh, money, and here you have human beings placed in the garden with everything they need. There is absolutely no reason for anything other than peace. They are at peace with God. They are at peace with one another. And instead of death, there is the tree of life that is the centerpiece of this dwelling place of human beings. And you just think about that. One of the things that this does for me is that it just makes me long for that. One of the reasons that I hate the news, and especially... Especially when I get bombarded with, with, you know, shootings or, uh, you know, murders or missing people or whatever it is all around the world. People that I'll never see, people that I can't care about, it just overwhelms me and it makes me long for the day, the day past when human life wasn't like that. I mean, I was, let me say it another way, I was made for something better. You were made for something better. Our hearts long for something that we will not experience now because God created us in His image and placed us in a garden, the centerpiece of which was life. The tree of life. Well, if you are familiar with the story, you know that that first movement doesn't necessarily last that long. And then we get the second movement, which in theological terms is called the fall, which simply means that those human beings made in God's image in this peaceful situation chose to rebel against God rather than submit to God. They chose to to set themselves up as a rival for God. The temptation was you will be like God. He doesn't want you to be like Him. And so they chose their independence instead of submission to God. And so, they fell. Sin entered the world. It's Genesis chapter 3. And we don't go very far. (laughs) We go, I don't know, 200 words, 300 words to Genesis chapter 4. And look what happens. We have Cain and Abel, the, the two eldest sons of Adam and Eve, going out to the field one day and uh Cain is angry with Abel because God accepted his sacrifice and God says if you do well will you not be accepted Cain and if you do not do well sin is crouching at the door it's desires for you but you must rule over it there is there is sin that we have talked so much about last fall with uh, respect to Romans uh, sin this this power that is going to c- compel Cain to do something that he sh- ought not do. And it's just waiting to pounce on him. Because Adam and Eve opened the door. Adam and Eve said, let's choose sin rather than choose God. And so now sin is about to pounce on Cain. And sure enough, Cain spoke to his uh, Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field... Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. When you think about, you think about all the news accounts that I just read. They are the, they are the, well, with the exception of technology, they're the same kind of news accounts that you had on the very first news report. Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. This has been an issue the entire human existence, and it it doesn't change. From there from there on, it continues, uh, you know, people killing people. And so, what does what does God do about that? Okay, this is not the kind of thing that you would say. Oh, that completely satisfies God. He's happy with this. He's not. God sets about to rescue human beings from themselves. He sets about to provide a savior and to, and to draw them out of the the violence and the conflict that they have that they are inflicting on themselves and so um, he begins a process of redemption to redeem them, to save them and you know, as you may remember, it just marches all the way through the Old Testament until it comes to the Gospel and finds its fulfillment in Jesus who is the Savior. But before, but before we get to Him, just, there, there are a couple places where people are really feeling the pain of their enemies. And the pain, uh, and the fear of being attacked at every turn. And one of those places is in Psalm 46. Uh, we've already begun singing some of the psalms, but Psalm 46 is a statement uh, about how God rescues in the midst of this kind of conflict here that uh, human beings inflict on one another. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. In time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And it's interesting that he says, therefore, we will not fear. And it isn't just when people hurt people. We're not going to fear when there's natural disasters. I have to admit, one of the questions we had to leave out because we didn't have enough time was what about all the natural disasters? The fires, the earthquakes, the floods, the hurricanes that have been going on in the news this past year. We thought about taking those up, but we didn't have time. But, but this is a nod to them, okay? In Psalm 46. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, even if there's natural disaster, we will not fear. And he goes down to verse 6. Tell me if this doesn't sound like uh, what we heard on the 2nd of January. Nations rage. Kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. When the nations are raging, when the kingdoms are tottering, when they are... Uh, World leaders are uh, boasting about their uh, nuclear buttons when there are riots in the Middle East. When nations are raging and kingdoms are tottering, the Lord of Hosts is with us. A little late, later in the service, we're going to sing a song. that the 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 chorus of it says. The God of angel armies is by our side. This God of angel armies. Some of you like that song. Maybe some of you don't. I don't know. But the God of angel armies is a translation of this phrase in verse 7, the Lord of hosts. But that's what it means. It isn't just He's the Lord of the crowds of people. He is the Lord of the armies of angels whom He will marshal when he desires, he himself is our fortress, Selah. And Selah means just think about this. Think about the difference in the security that you have because God, who is a savior, is with us. How does God go about saving us? See, that's the other thing. If you say, "Oh, if you know we, people were created," In a perfect life giving situation they chose death and sin instead, and so how is God going to rescue them from that? I just want to I want you to think about how does God rescue you? Okay, those of you who remember all the way back to Christmas, some of you may have already blotted it out. Okay. What what name did Jesus have? He has Jesus, right? Okay, that's fair. Okay, he will save his people from their sins. This is this is because he was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The way God saves is to be with us, and the Lord of angel armies is with us. So come, behold the works of the Lord. He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He takes the best technology of war and he disarms it. So, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. Among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. See, I don't understand all that's going on in the world. I don't have, I don't have a well developed foreign policy. I don't know who's going to blow up whom first. But I have been assured that the Lord of hosts is with us. And that he can make desolation cease. He can disarm the technology of war. So I'm going to be still and know that he is God. And what he is doing, what he is doing is exalting himself among the nations. He is being exalted in all the earth. Be assured the Lord of angel armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Think about this. That's, that's what it means to you to be a man or a woman of God, to be part of the people of God that has the Lord of hosts with us. It may rain down fire. There may be a gunman. But the Lord of hosts is with you. And ultimately, ultimately what that means is that He is the one who saves you. And even if Even if somebody kills your body, you have a Savior that is better than that. I tell you, friends, don't fear those... This is Jesus' words. Don't fear those who can kill the body and after that, have nothing more they can do. See, this is right off of the pages of the newspaper, isn't it? There is nothing more that North Korea can do to you than kill your body. There's nothing more than a gunman could do to kill your body. He says, instead, uh, I warn you whom to fear. Fear Him who after his killed the body has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear Him. In other words, this is an invitation to fear God because He cares for your body and for your soul and you do not want to be on the wrong side of Him. And so I invite you to trust Him as your Savior rather than trust Him as your judge. Because one day, you're going to face Him either way. And if threats are anything, it might be sooner rather than later. So, fear God and trust Him. That's that's this third movement in the story of God where He's bringing about the salvation of, of people, inviting them to, to fear Him, inviting them to trust Him so that once He has um, rescued them, once He has saved them and invaded their lives, then He is going to restore all things and bring about the the final restoration, the final consummation of all things. Now, this um, this is really where the Christian hope is the best. This is really what the news should push you to do. It should push you to look forward to that day when God makes all things right. This is this is the final chapter. We started in the beginning, uh, and here is the last. Um, this is the last part of it. Revelation 21. Then I saw the new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. By being with them from the beginning. He was with them in the garden. They rebelled against Him. He sent His Savior to be Emmanuel, to be with them, so that those who follow Him will ultimately participate in this final uh, restoration of all things where God Himself will be with them as their God and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. See, I I really can be afraid because I believe the news and that that's really what is the ultimate reality. Or I can say this is the ultimate reality and I can believe what God says, that one day He will make all things right and death will be no more. And that, from the start to the finish, is how, kind of how I frame, it's the context by which I understand the news and the question, how am I going to be blown up? And I want to say that you can, you can worry about being blown up, or you can be confident that the story of God is uh, sufficient. The Gospel, the good news is sufficient for even... The most insecure question about whether I'll be shot or blown up or what will happen tomorrow. And if that's really the story and the way that it ends is ultimately death is no more and there's only life in the presence of God. He, as our Savior, is with us. And the and the end is good news. That's that's great. I think that's great. Yeah, I'm just in my personal opinion, right? It's great. But that doesn't really take away the news. There still is a nuclear threat in North Korea. There still is meddling by Russia. There still may be shooters somewhere. So what am I to do in the meantime? Okay, here's just some of these are practical, some of these are scriptural, but I just think that this is I, I, I'm, I'm aiming to help you with the question, to help you with the news. The first thing that I would recommend is reject false saviors. See, because one of the one of the things that happens in the story of God is, all, everywhere along the way, there are there are false alternatives. There are um, there are options that do not represent the good news of God. I mean, Satan presented that, one of those options to Adam and even they took it. And that's, that's where the fall came from. But all along the way, there are false alternatives that, that invite us to trust, that invite us to, um, to hang on to something other than God who is our fortress, the God of angel armies who is with us. And so, what are those? One of those false savers, I'm just going to call The answer. Okay, the answer. Now, that's cheating, right? Because I don't have room on this slide for the answer. Because on a macro level, on a macro level, the answer might be getting the right president elected. The answer might be a, a really great national defense or a really great foreign policy. Or the answer might be might be better, more comprehensive education so that everybody is more enlightened and there would be no more war. Or the answer might be uh, mental health counseling for those who are troubled and potential shooters. Or the answer might be, get yourself a security system. They're on sale after the first of the year. Or the answer might be uh, big data. In fact in fact, China is watching their citizens hoping to gather enough data to prevent to predict and then prevent shootings and catastrophes. And that might be The answer. There could be any host of answers. In fact, I just decided I don't have room for what, for alternatives that people will go to, to try and find the answer. It might be insurance. It might be stockpiling supplies for the, for the, you know, cataclysm that's coming. You know what? Everyone's gonna sell you an answer. And invite you to believe it. And I just want to suggest to you that, that is not the best Christian alternative. I'm not saying go on and be foolish, or go on and be stupid, or go on and you know. I'm not even recommend you live somewhere else. It's a great place to live. But don't let that be the place uh, where your trust lies. Don't let that be the object that you are counting on for your ultimate security. Don't let that be your answer. Another false savior that I um, that I find quite disappointing is what I'm going to call superficial biblical responses. Okay, I, I tried to give you a start to finish biblical response here, and hope that though I, though I did kind of skim the surface, it wouldn't merely be superficial. For me, the superficial biblical response is to say, hmm, I don't understand those biblical prophecies. So maybe this is that. Maybe this you know, alliance in the Middle East is what is going to happen in Revelation. And that's what it is. Or maybe the world is so bad, God's going to bring the rapture next week. You know, God hasn't invited us to be escapists. God hasn't invited us to to be you know just people who guess at the future. To me, that's that's a superficial response. To say here is some prophecy; it must be this. Here's the Antichrist in the Bible; he must be this person. Okay, that's just guessing. Guessing doesn't help you. So reject that. As a false savior. I mean, even the article that I quoted from earlier went there. I didn't read you that part, it didn't help me, right? But be careful about just tagging some current event as some biblical, the fulfillment of some biblical prophecy. To me, that's just uh, irresponsible and guesswork. And then, the third, my third response here, the third false savior that I want you to reject is, uh, religion. And by, by religion, what I mean is that if I'm good, God will keep me safe. If I am a, if I do what God tells me, then I'm certainly going to be safe. I mean, even Jesus himself rejected this. He, in Luke chapter 13, he said, do you think that... The, um, well, There were. let me give you a little context. Herod had murdered some Galileans and Jesus said, do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than other Galileans because they suffered in this way? In other words, do you think there's some kind of sliding moral scale that's going to get some people better protection than others? And he went on to say in verse 4, uh, or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who live in Jerusalem? I mean, get off your high horse about this. You're for yourself or for others. Somebody else is in trouble. It's not because they're worse than you. If you have trouble, it's not because you're worse than somebody else. That's not the point. Don't trust in religion to be your false savior. Here is the word about false saviors right here. Unless the Lord builds a house those who build it, unless the Lord watches over this city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Don't forget that. Don't forget that is the Christian response to international threats, to going to a, a concert or a football game. Unless the Lord watches over the concert or the football game, the watchman stays awake in vain. So one of your responses is to reject false saviors. Another, this is just practical. This isn't in the Bible, really, is it? Just turn off your screen. Find something else than talking heads arguing with one another that you can entertain yourself with. Please. You try this from Philippians chapter 4. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, uh, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That would go a long way to helping you not be afraid. Okay? And really, not being afraid is a choice. Some of it's a choice on the, on the input side. What are you watching that's making you afraid? Some of it's a choice on the internal side. What's going on in your heart? That's what Jesus says. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Whose responsibility is that? It's yours. Neither let them be afraid. And so practically speaking, Think about the things you need to think about they are going to help you and choose not to be afraid. And then the, finally, simply be humble. Okay? Be humble about your political opinion. Be humble about your security system. Be humble about whatever you think it is it's that you've got that's going to help you. That's great. Be humble. Because ultimately, we don't know. And this is going to take me right back where we started. No one has the power to retain the Spirit. The power over the day of death. That's where we started. And so, if that is really true, then that makes me humble about my opinion and about my view of the world. And uh, my ability to speak about whether we'll be blown up or not. Right? And so, really, my um, my good news for you is that God is with you; that He has come to be with you as Savior, so that one day everything will be made right, and all the reason you have for fear and all the reason you have to be uh, worried about tomorrow will hold will will disappear. And God will wipe away every tear from your eye and there will be more no more death. And all of that is true because of this story of God. Because it finds its center in Jesus. Who came as its Savior. The Savior of the world. So that by His death and His resurrection, He might give life. And that those who believe might have life abundantly. And so this morning, this morning it's our privilege to uh, to take communion and to remind ourselves of that centerpiece of God's story, the Lord Jesus, who, who did all that was necessary that we might be Saved. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to, there are two tables in the front and two in the back, and I invite you during the next song get out of your seat and uh, come to one of those tables and take the elements and return to your seat, and we'll all uh, participate together as a community who is uh, responding to this good news together. Uh, and if you would, it would probably work best if you would come in the center aisles and go to the table uh, the tables and return out uh, on the outside aisles that would probably keep the the confusion or the traffic from uh, being a problem but uh, this is really uh, this is really precious to Christians because Jesus left this for us as an emblem of his love. He left this for us to for the express purpose of remembering, was at the center of your hope. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. And so, we're going to pray and we're going to sing and we're going to have some time to, uh, to to reflect on the Lord Jesus. And I, I trust that as you do, uh, it will be encouraging to you that your hope is in Him, not in something else. Let's pray. <clears throat> our great God and Father, we uh, we need you because of all that uh, is around us in the world. More than that, Father, we need you because of all that we know is deep within our own hearts. And we ask that you would forgive us. Oh, Father, I just the uh, the song that we sang earlier, where Uh, My sin or the bliss of this glorious thought um, has been nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Father, that's what we need. We need the assurance again that the cross of Jesus has uh, taken our sin and it's no longer ours to bear. And the sin and the shame and the death that comes with it is not ours. But rather we have life because of Jesus. So would you assure us with confidence, assure our hearts now as we remember the the death and resurrection of Jesus, would you assure us of the the sufficiency of his death and the fact that you count it completely satisfying to you for judgment and completely freeing for us from our sin. So God, would you help our hearts to be sure now as we uh, as we remember Jesus in his name we pray. Amen.